everyone. Welcome again to the Bat-Ass Podcast, the Batman the Animated Series Show Podcast. I'm Clay McCormick, and with me is... Your very willing co-host, Sean Murphy. <laughs> well, we're both... That sounded co-hosts. weird. Yeah. <laughs> that's I true. Know. Well, I feel like you're kind of... Show, the, fortunately. I feel like you're the main character, and I'm kind of like your Robin. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's very possible. <laughs> um, but I mean, everybody wants to be the sidekick, right? That's how it works. Yeah. 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 I think that was the, what, what, why they came up with Robin. Yeah. Like that's why. Involved. That's why Robin is the most highest selling book in the world, and not Batman. <laughs> yeah. <right>? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when they, I was wondering when they came up with Robin, and they're like, well, "Let's get the kitties involved in this." Like the kitties really want to, you know, with the 1950s voice. Uh, I imagine if they thought like, well, wait a minute, what does that say about Batman getting children involved? Like, do we really want to go down that road? And here we are, like, you know, 80 years later, <laughs> people are questioning his methods and whether he's a child abuser. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think it was that. Much. I think it was just like, what? what's going to get the more kids to identify with yeah. this character? Maybe a kid. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. And make sure he doesn't wear pants. <laughs> oh, Pearl Harbor was just bombed. <laughs> <laughs> It was actually the same telegraph. That's why it was so delayed, and they didn't actually, you know. Yeah, but this, but first, first is first. Robin is going to be Batman's psychic, and we just got bombed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, today we'll be doing. The first two-parter in the show, which is Two-Face Part 1 and 2. Yes. And uh, the first, we're going to do them both at the same time, so we're just going to kind of talk about them as one big piece. Uh, the first one, the story is by Alan Burnett, teleplay by Randy Rogel, uh, directed by Kevin Altieri. Second one, written by Randy Rogel, directed by Kevin Altieri. And in those episodes... Monster Rupert Thorne, sorry, mobster Rupert Thorne attempts to use Harvey Dent's secret. Monster Rupert Thorne would be a very different episode. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I would I'd watch that one. Yeah, I, like I mean, I'm surprised they didn't eventually do that because he is kind Monster of a boring Thorne. character. Yeah. Um, mobster Rupert Thorne attempts to use Harvey Dent's secret split personality to blackmail him. But when Dent meets with Thorne at a chemical plant, Big Bad Harv takes over and the resulting confrontation leads to an explosion that horribly scars half of Dent's face. Harvey mm-hmm. Dent, now calling himself Two-Face, resurfaces and starts robbing Rupert Thorne's illegal businesses, preparing for a final confrontation with the crime boss, and Batman must stop his former friend before he and Thorne kill each other. I think, I can't remember if it was if it was in person or maybe on another episode of the show, but at, at some point you asked me who mm-hmm. my favorite Batman villain was. Yeah, I think that was me. Yeah, and I had a, I, I couldn't really, I was kind of uh, struggling to come up with an answer, and right. this episode reminded me that Two Face is my favorite character. Favorite. He character. was my when I was twelve or whenever I remember Two Face is mine as well. Yeah, so I'm with you. Go and ahead. you know, I think previously <laughs> when I was younger, I think it was fairly just a, uh, a visual or an aesthetic kind of thing because he's he's got a really cool look to him. Yeah, uh, you know the coin thing is cool. You know, yeah. got a good gimmick. But yeah. the more I think about him, I he's really the most believably insane of the Batman villains because mm. his entire thing is based on like a very specific kind of mental issue. Basically, uh, right. he just also happens to be a super criminal. Yeah, I, even as a kid, that that went a long way with me about why I liked him. Um, 
Yeah. It's funny, you know, when I, I was so used to this version that when I, when Tommy Lee Jones played him, mm-hmm. I was startled, like, wait a minute, he's like half punk, half business? That's stupid. Yeah. And of course, that's actually how it is in the comic. Yeah, but, well, uh, I think, I mean, one of the great things about him is that uh, kind of, uh, you know, I guess they, they, they change up character looks so frequently, but I feel like Two-Face really actually lends himself to that quite well. Uh, because you can right. have so many uh, contrasting looks and everything that you can throw together, whereas the Joker is always yeah. going to kind of look like the Joker, you know, unless they cut his face off or something. Not when uh, Joaquin Phoenix plays him. That's true. Uh, that'll be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one thing you said at the beginning was um, made me think this is uh, you said that you don't like uh, Thorn, and my first reaction was, "Oh, I love Thorn," and I thought, "No, wait, I'm thinking of Roland Daggett." Oh um, yeah. And th- then I thought, why are there two separate characters? There, you could have combined, like, you know, business tycoon criminal guy into one, basically. Uh, and then I started thinking, well, is one is, is Rupert Thorne written less well than um, Daggett? Or is it the voice actor who's less talented at pulling off the lines? You know, I don't know. I actually, you know, I actually like the voice actor for Thorn. Um, I forget, I forget exactly who it is. I mean, I could look it up, I suppose. Right. Um, but it's, uh, I've never had a problem with the performance. I just, you know, kind of, when I was a kid, uh, as I, I think I've mentioned before, all of the off-brand villains, like the, the either the new villains or the ones that just weren't super villains, usually were in the episodes that I liked the least. Um, mm-hmm. So only later, since you know we've been doing this, have they kind of come back up? Like you know, I I, I didn't like uh, was it the Forgotten? I think, uh, right, the Godfather episode. Um, oh right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. I like that one a lot more this time around. Uh, right, but yeah, he's just sort of like a, a straight ahead mob type, and yeah. uh, but as far as this episode goes, I actually think he's pretty useful because. Mm-hmm. Um, Dent is just a by-the-numbers DA and mm-hmm. putting him up against anybody who isn't just like a by-the-numbers criminal I think would feel a little bit uh, disingenuous. So it's nice right. that they kind of have, they're kind of on the same playing level. Yeah, I mean, because Dent has to go and meet him because he's threatened by, they're going to re- release information about his mental health issues. Yeah. Uh, so for him to like meet with this guy, he has to be somewhat, he can't just be, I mean, is is Thorne a straight up criminal, or does he have legitimate business tendencies as well? I think Thorne is pretty much straight up criminal. Oh, okay. Then never mind what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, it's funny. I was watching this, thinking, uh, man, Dent should have. If if Dent had been running for office uh, now, now, it would <laughs> nobody would give a shit about his. I thought the capacity. same thing. Yeah. I was like, dude, who cares? I mean, if anything, you could flip this and say, oh, this is fake news, and uh, this is just the you know Republicans trying or Democrats trying to smear me, and you know we all have mental health issues. We're all working on something. Like, how dare you attack? Like, you would absolutely spin this. Oh know? yeah, yeah, you could absolutely um, make this look sympathetic. Right, but in if let's assume this show is thinking like the 1930s, 1940s, right, where no one really admits that they see a, a psychologist or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I could see a, a route to that character being motivated or being afraid that this would really hurt him. You yeah, know what I mean, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, politics have been blown up so differently in the last year that it's like, really, Dent, you're afraid of that? Come on. Yeah. Well, you know... <laughs> it's not much of a motivator anymore. You know, maybe, maybe this is jumping too far ahead, but I mean, this is an origin episode, so we may as well get into uh, the origin of Two-Face a little bit. Uh, just for right. a little backstory, um, Two-Face, his first appearance was in Detective Comics 66. Uh, his name was actually Harvey Kent, but they changed it because it was too similar to Batman, uh, Superman. Um, he only made three appearances in the 40s and appeared twice in the 50s. And then they shelved him because they thought he was too scary. And it wasn't mm -hmm. until the 70s that they brought him back. And uh, his origin has always more or less been the same thing, which is uh, he's, a very, um, he's a young upstart, very successful district attorney who the mob wants to knock down a peg. And traditionally that happens when he gets acid thrown on his face in the middle of a courtroom which is, you know, kind of preposterous, but it, 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 right. does, it does the job. Uh, most preposterously <laughs> uh, depicted in Batman Forever, where they, the, guy on the, uh, the guy on the witness stand just, like, reaches into his jacket and pulls out, like, a big thing of acid that he throws yep. at him. And then which Batman, one tends to carry into courtrooms. Exactly. And then Batman <laughs> jumps out of the audience of the court. So it's like he was, oh, he was just yeah. hanging out, like, watching. As the, Batman. Yes, he's just, as Batman. <laughs> So like he was third just row, like, Batman. Yeah, wow. hanging out, hanging out in the audience, and then you know it's like, oh, I guess I should probably intervene here. Yeah, which really I mean, tells you, you that that mobster has a you know some balls on him to do that right in front of Batman. Yeah, it's quite a reach. The power he's got. You know, it's funny if you had just digitally added some broken glass as Batman dove, you'd be like, oh, he just came through a window, and boom, problem solved. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but just imagining him like checking in and going through the metal detector. Getting a cup of coffee, waiting in line to take a piss, sitting down, you know, <laughs> waiting patiently, and like, wait a minute, that guy has acid. Putting on putting on his reading glasses so he can read the paper before the, the trial starts. I know. Talking to the oh, woman man. next to him. Oh uh, man, when are they gonna start this thing? Yeah. Huh? I'm getting Did tired. Did you take I don't the train here? Did you take the train here too? <laughs> I was out late last night. <laughs> I anyway. suppose you already knew that. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, and, but uh, the le the most recent incarnations, I don't know about the comic, but at least this one and in The Dark Knight, he gets scarred by explosions. And uh, right. the explosion in this is incredibly violent. It was it's it's really intense. There, you know, it's yeah. got he's running across this catwalk, and then this these wires fall into these chemicals and just blow the right. shit out of him. Right. You know, it's funny. I every every version of Two Face I've seen has a very clear line. Like, his half his body or face is very clearly... It's never, like, slightly asymmetrical. It's not like there's a little bit of burn on yep. one side. You know what I mean? It's always perfectly symmetrical. And I always wondered if anyone had ever done one where it's more mishmashed, you know? Well, I think... Uh, isn't the one in Dark Knight a little bit miss, a little bit more jagged in the definition? It's, pre it's still pretty straight down the middle of the face, but I think there is a little yeah. bit of bleed. Um, yeah. But, so... <laughs> Also from I'll check. Forever. Keep talking. My favorite, uh, th like they felt like they had to motivate or explain why only half of his face got scarred. So when the mm -hmm. guy throws acid, they cut to Tommy Lee Jones holding up a piece of paper in front of his face. So only half of oh, his face yeah. gets. <laughs> it's the stupidest some... thing I've ever seen. Yeah, the paper just happened to be okay. So I'm looking at Aaron Eckhart now. It is pretty fifty-fifty. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. But uh, there are some other ones from video games that, like, his hair is fine, but the face down, it, it's more, um, you know, it's not such a clean line. Yeah, and when, when, I, when I draw him, every, I like to try and to, to mess with that a little bit, to make it a little bit, 
less yeah. clean cut. But, you know, the thing that's kind of nice about it, which comes into play, well, later in the episode, but also in general with the character, is, you know, th- there's something satisfying about that straight down the middle cut, whether it's the face or the suit yeah. or the places that he's hanging out or anything like <laughs> that. It's it, yeah. That line is uh, yeah. is kind of... It's, yeah. it's really indicative of him as a character. Right, because you can do the shot where he's you're looking at half his face, and he's like, oh, this is a normal guy. And then the thunder cracks, and then you he turns towards you, and it's like, ah, oh, the monster part. Um, where if the, if the line wasn't as clean, then you wouldn't quite be able to do those shots. Right. Yeah, and you've yeah. got in this, in this episode, uh, in the second half, um, which I didn't notice. I, I had watched this episode kind of recently, but then I watched it again r- right before we did this, and I don't think I noticed this the first time. Um, they do a lot of really interesting visual stuff at the end when he, when they're in his lair where they have the light side and the dark side of the room split. Yeah. Where yeah. Um, that whole last sequence, he's all of his movements are straddling that line. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when the guys jump on top of him, Batman comes to help him from the light side. And then later on, you know, the, he goes to pick up a, a, a Tommy gun, which is laying on the dark side. So they mm-hmm. do a pretty good uh, visual thing yeah. regarding you know where his mental yeah. state is and stuff so I, yeah so that gets me onto some of my notes i i call that um symbolic storytelling yeah uh, even if you don't notice specifically that that's happening i think that viewers often just feel it and there are some other things too um so when he when harvey realizes that he's deformed uh he's like give me your mirror or whatever and uh, you see him knock a vase of flowers out of the way to grab the mirror. Mm-hmm. And then the next shot, you see his fiance walking up with flowers. So you get like that. He didn't have to swat the flowers away. He could have just had her walk in while he's holding the mirror. And he still could have rejected her, basically. Right. But the idea of like, poetically, you can see, you know, like, oh, I'm getting rid of the flowers. I don't want the flowers. Get out of the way, flowers. Hey, who's bringing you flowers? Your fiance. You know, right. hint, hint, you're going to get rid of your fiance. That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, there's also a great uh, bit when he's talking to his therapist and the lightning uh, strikes uh, just as he becomes Big Bad Harv. And you have like a se- one fe- um, section of film that showed him with a crazy half Harvey, uh, sorry, scary Harvey face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just like as a lightning flash, you get like one frame of it. And it's quick enough, like if you're not, it's like the, the penis shot from uh, Fight Club or yes. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but with less penis. <laughs> Just slightly, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you can't say that about every Batman comic now. That's true. That, that's absolutely true. <laughs> um, yeah, that stuff, you know, I think that's one of the things that makes this show great is these guys were, they were really putting in the work in ways that I don't yeah. think, like, He-Man was. Although, I, uh, I you know, yeah. he, having just watched that documentary about He-Man, uh, I did learn a lot of interesting stuff, and it was pretty cool what they were doing. But that, they were not yeah. putting in the work quite to no. the level that they were here. Um, no. Yeah. You know, even um, the animation. Um, so with a lot of cartoons now, because you have it done with Flash, or, you know, they, they rather take a character and tween it or to, you know, shift it. But most characters walk into the frame, they talk, they walk out of the frame. Yeah. Um, the, there's a, the scene where Big Bad Harvey shows up, and he attacks his therapist, and, like, she is, like, trying to comfort him after like she's leaning on him she turns away she turns back like there's a lot of acting going on in the animation and it's just something that you tend to do if you're animating by hand because that's how animators used to be trained i'm sure i suppose they still are but just with the normal budget of normal cartoons you usually don't get that kind of character acting with body language like you do here yeah there's 
probably cartoons I'm not aware of that they still do it. But that's one thing that struck out at me, struck struck that seemed obvious to me was how um, much thought they put into put into it. I mean, they must have filmed actors interacting to sort of figure out what a human would do if your therapist just attacked you and then you were calming down. Like, how do you get the where would she step? How would she move? How would she sit? Mm-hmm. Things like that. And you, you turn on, like, the new Teen Titans cartoon. It's just characters walking in and out of camera, and, that, and that's it, you know? Right. You know, that um, <clears throat> that reminds me of something that happens later in the episode that I think, you know, falls under the symbolic storytelling banner, but also yeah. what you're talking about here. Is there's a point where uh, I, I think it's his fiance grabs him by the shoulders and, uh, you know, the easy way to do that would be like a profile shot or something where it's just like a, a very easy, you know, two-dimensional grab or whatever. But they right. do it at a, at a kind of a three-quarter angle so you can see both sides of Harvey's face. And he does this movement that I – it was just so – it seemed so specific where he puts – he has his hands together and he puts, his, he puts them up between her arms – and then mm-hmm. opens them, splits them open to take her right. hands off of his shoulders. Right. So he's yeah. literally bringing up both sides of his face and then splitting it in half like that. It was, right. It was, that's it was really, really good. That's you're right. That's amazing. I didn't catch it, but that's exactly what symbolic storytelling is. It's yeah. That's a whole other layer. I mean, to do a, to do this well, you need you don't only need a good script. You need good animation, and you know once you have that stuff, it's like, well, what can we do? to put in like secret signals to the viewer that the viewer might not even see. It's like, who takes time to do that stuff anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, some people do. Like in Road to Perdition, one of my favorite movies, they had a theme with water. Anytime there was water in there, it was death. So it was a beach or it was like a funeral with ice on the body and rain. So anytime you saw water, someone was going to die. Right. And, um, what was the movie? Um, Godfather, they do something similar with oranges. Like every time oranges oh, yeah, yeah. somebody gets shot or killed or whatever. Yeah, that's always amazed me because like you're doing something that most people aren't even going to notice. That takes a lot of extra time and thought to do correctly. You know what I mean? Right, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a, such a lost art, you know? I mean, Six, I mean, were... six Cents was uh, any time there was red on the screen, I think, was when the oh, ghosts yeah. were showing up or something. Yeah, I think red was used a lot in American Beauty as well. Yep. Um, I know when I did Punk Rock Jesus, I had a, the bad guy, whenever he was in political mode, he would be wearing his top coat over his suit. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, and when he really became who he was and became evil, he would always take the coat off. Like, his performance was over, and he was about to be who he was. Right. You know, it's a, it's a subtle thing, but... Right. Yeah. Um, circling back a little bit to uh, his Two-Face's origin, um, he's always yeah. traditionally been... Uh, the the psych the psychological part has always been part of his uh, origin. Um, Bob Kane claims to have been inspired by Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, which is you know fairly totally. obvious. But since then, it's been expanded into uh, people get a lot more into uh, the bipolar issues or you know the OCD yeah. of the coin thing. And mm-hmm. I think one of the things that I always found interesting about him is that. The coin gives him a certain amount of empathy, but it's not real empathy. It's 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 only there because he's following the rules of the coin. Yeah. And I just imagine like if if he if he were a real person with this problem, right? Right. Uh, right. Down the line, it would eventually you'd end up with Harvey Dent lying in bed flipping a coin, whether you know 
to see whether or not he even gets up that day. You know, it would just right. like, I knew it would get smaller and smaller and smaller, and right. it would get down to I need to flip a coin for any little yeah. bit of minutia, any decision I have to make, which yeah, yeah. I, you know is is really interesting as far as uh, yeah. a, a villain goes in a popular uh, right. entertainment piece. Right. Like how how OCD is he? Like does he right. flip the coin, decide do I wipe, do I wipe my ass or don't I? Or you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if if I would assume in real life it would get to that point. Yeah. Um, and you know, kind of to circle back to the uh, uh, politics thing, I was thinking, you know, in this episode, uh, the coin thing I feel isn't totally motivated. Um, yeah, it's I don't just, know where the coin ever came from. Yeah, it's cool, but I'd love more of a backstory to it. Right, it's just sort of there, and um, I was thinking, man, it would it would be, I would love to see a version of of Two Face where he's not so much bipolar and not so much OCD, but being a uh, district attorney working in the in the justice system. He's just driven so crazy by the, you know, quote unquote, coin flip nature of of right. how uh, these court cases shake out. And especially in a place like Gotham, where it's very right. corrupt and all that kind yeah. of stuff, because he gets to a point where he snaps and he's like, what does it fucking matter? I should mm-hmm. just flip a coin and see, you know, so he ends up going the uh, the vigilante route to an extent, uh, mm-hmm. just flipping and having just the coin make the decisions because nothing matters because, you know, the, the system that he put all of his faith in is clearly right. broken. And, you know, right. th- so that the explosion or whatever that, that damages him uh, just makes him snap. I, I thought that would be kind of an interesting way to kind of tweak him or maybe update him a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think the coin thing started, I mean, I'm sure he was designed and comics were much simpler. And, you know, a gangster flipping a coin was always kind of a menacing thing. And he's obviously like a Dick Tracy gangster in a lot of ways. So, but yeah, there's a lot of uh, potential to uh, explore, like where that coin came from. You know, did his, was it his father's or his mother's? Did they have some kind of, you know, mental disorder as well? Well, he has, he also has traditionally <clears throat> an abusive father element uh, that, okay. that plays into it. Right. Huh. And I think there, there might be something where the coin is is involved with his father's punishment i'm I'm not totally sure yeah hey what do you uh when i first watched this as a kid i thought harvey dent was black i actually thought oh yeah slightly darker skinned the way they animated him yeah um maybe i was thinking about billy d williams because i you know (laughs) but i thought you know why i love this act the actor that does his voice is great obviously but i was curious like what would you think if billy d williams had done this voice forever like do you think it would have been better oh i think it would have been great i mean i like billy you know okay so <laughs> i like billy d williams i really wish that i could we could have seen billy d williams as two-face right um i don't know i don't want to say i don't i don't know if he could do it but i love the two-sided performance that this guy gives and it's what's his name it's the guy yeah. from night court right yeah his evil voice is Amazing. Yeah. I don't know if Billy D. Williams has a good evil voice. That's what I was thinking. You know, I mean, he's right. traditionally uh, smooth, smooth motherfucker. You know. Yeah. And this act, when Harvey, before he get, turns into Big Bad Harvey, he's a nervous. I mean, he's good in front of the cameras, but behind the cameras, he's sort of a nervous wreck, uh, insecure, not very unsure about himself. And those are Billy D. Williams is very secure about himself. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And you know, so, I, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to assume. Yeah, like I don't want to assume that he couldn't do it, but it doesn't feel like a natural fit as much as you right. know, this voice acting does. Right. 
Uh, yeah, but, you're right. But yeah, you know, I actually, I, I was thinking the same thing. I don't think I ever really viewed him as being explicitly white because he does kind yeah. of have more of a, for lack of a more uh, sensitive or way to put it, he does have kind of a more ethnic look to him. Yeah, he looks Latin, or I would believe him to be... Um, like Sicilian you know, or something. Sicilian, yeah, maybe like uh, Latino, or sorry, yeah. um, Italian or something, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, they could have probably gone a little darker with him, because when he's next to another white act character, he's not that much darker. Right, right, yeah. It's, yeah, you know, it's, it's know. kind of too bad that they didn't, because uh, there's really no... Yeah, yeah there's yeah. really not very many prominent characters of color in the show yeah yeah at least i mean well montoya's there but there's the only black people i can think of are lucius fox and uh yeah. that might be it <laughs> yeah you're right which is yeah you know it's funny if i had seen the, this uh, series now i would have that's something that's definitely on my radar more yes. th- as it is with all of us yeah. like you do you the like okay what are the optics on this do we have a character this do we have that yeah do we have all the colors of the rainbow in some way okay good and um, because I've been seeing this since I was a kid, I just haven't thought about it at all. Right, know? right. Maybe yeah. if I was a black kid, I, I would have noticed. Um, yeah. Probably I would have noticed. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. There's not enough black characters in this, or characters of diversity. Yeah. It's, it's too bad. Yeah. Um, so getting into the, the episode, like the structure and stuff, um, yeah. we recently did, you know, as I said at the beginning, this is the first real origin we've seen. It's, uh, we've seen Poison Ivy which we both really liked. We thought was a good uh, introduction to her. But even that one is, she's kind of fully formed and we just get like a little bit of a speech or a, or a flashback. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly what it is. And yeah. uh, Scarecrow also has like a really shitty flashback. Yeah. Um, but this yeah, is the this first is the time. the best one so far. Yeah, this is the first time that we've seen a normal to supervillain, you know, story. Right. And uh, it is the first two-parter, which it feels it feels like it needs to be for a character yeah. like this. Yeah. But uh, do you feel like it it's it's stretched a little too thin? Um, you could have cut it a bit more. I remember feeling like Batman should have figured should have cracked the case a lot faster than he did. It's a very Batman light episode. Yeah. Uh, they do. Uh, he's. I think the Batman presence in the first half is really only that first scene where he's just sort of right. in the background, and then the the last scene where he gets uh, <laughs> where Dent gets blown up, right? Um, and then the second one, you have that great dream where he. Oh, just, I was going to mention that. Like, yeah, it's why didn't you save us, Bruce? Yeah, like, okay, you know, we get it. I, it's <laughs> it's, it's very killed. it's very heavy handed, but part of me kind of likes that a little bit. Yeah, just because it's a more interesting way to do that than just having him verbalize yeah. it um right right but i yeah. my least favorite batman in the show is batman where he gets really sappy you know the perfect example in this episode is you know where he's like harvey no right. like I, yeah, I yeah and then in the second half after he wakes up from that dream he gives that really weird monologue where he's right. just like i will find out why this happened to you my friend and i will avenge it's really strange yeah that's when it turns into a kid's show Yes. Normally, it's sort of written for adults, but then they're like, "Well, we have children who might not get it, so let's make sure it's obvious why Bruce is really upset yeah. and feels responsible or whatever." And um, you know, the, I, I think the first—I don't know about you—but I think the first half is a lot stronger than the second half. The second half is pretty thin on story. Yeah. Um, how do you feel? 
Yeah, I, you know, for me, it all kind of blends into one story. I'm the same right. way. People ask me about Kill Bill 1 versus Volume 2, and I'm like, dude, it's one movie for me. I, don't make me choose between halves. Right, right. <laughs> but yeah, I, and I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you, though. Yeah. The thing, I, the thing I do find funny is that they do have a, uh, between episodes, they do have a pretty clear, uh, they get across a pretty clear feeling that some, some time has passed. Yeah. Um, because. Yeah, he's had fine time to get a gang. He's got two criminals that work with him who are twins. Yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting is you, you've got a guy that is divided literally between Two-Face and Harvey, Harvey Dent. And then you have his two gangster friends that are identical twins. I'm curious what the decision making was. Yeah, I feel, you know, I, 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 that seems like, that's actually a good point. I didn't think about it that way. I mean, and they're yeah, not like, even, why do they have to be twins? They're not even dressed, if they were twins and one of them was dressed differently, right? You know, that might, if they were like one was, one had a white suit and one had a black suit, that might feel yeah. a little bit more natural. But I think that the, they, uh, his thing very quickly becomes, he really likes the number two. Right. Uh, and so I, I guess that's an easy, yeah. that's the first thing you'd think of is like, well, what's a, if we had two henchmen, oh, they should be twins, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> but when I was, when I was watching it this time, before they really kind of get into, uh, the, the details that tell you some time has passed, it just starts mm-hmm. up with him doing his, you know, his, uh, two-faced thing with the suit and the twins and, you know, attacking the second national bank or whatever. And I was right. thinking like, man, was Big Bad Harv just sitting in there working on branding the whole time so he knew exactly what he wanted to do when he got out yeah yeah that's a good question i also like to know why his twin his, the twins all they both look like howdy doody yeah they're, they're trying really to add some levity to it or yeah they make a very interesting comeback if if you watch the uh uh batman and harley movie which is i don't recommend oh, oh god uh, they there's a yeah. scene there's a scene where they sing a song and it's very oh, jesus oddly we're going to have to it's, it's very oddly stick, homoerotic. Stick with this it's podcast. very strange. <laughs> that means at one point we're going to have to review that atrocity of a cartoon. <laughs> I would like to say no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it's in the lexicon, I mean, if we're committed to doing all the TAS stuff, yeah. you know, once we finish the few movies, I mean, yeah. If, if, we, if we have a Patreon for this, we'll, maybe we'll put that as a, as, as a goal. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, well, yeah, because I work for DC, so I don't want to shit on it too much. But I can say whatever I want. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you notes, and you say what I would normally Future say. Future be damned. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, it's but yeah, as as an as an origin, I think it's a great a great origin. I think it works. Uh, if you're watching it as one solid piece, yeah, I think it works pretty pretty great. Um, yeah, well, you know they set him up uh, Harvey as a good guy in other episodes. So they really gave went out of their way to make sure you got a chance to know who this character was a little bit yeah. before you got to this episode. And they quite deliberately said, okay, we're going to do a two-parter. Two-parter, two-face. Eh? You see where I'm going with this? Yes, um, yeah. And that, you, they do give get a lot of props, I think, for trying it. So I think they succeed more than they fail. Um, there's a few things I would do to tweak it. Like you said, the second half drags on a little bit more than the first half. But really, I mean, overall, I'd call it a home run. Yeah, I would think so. I think so, too. And it's the uh, the first appearance of the Bat Cycle, which is fun. Yes, I know. I didn't notice that until I looked it up the other day. Um, I also noticed that it's the weather in Gotham is raining throughout both episodes. Yes. So you know, good time to show Batman taking a motorcycle out. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, it's an odd choice. And you know what always bugs me is his fucking helmet. It looks like a Lego helmet. It doesn't look like it's thought out <laughs> at all. I, it bothers me as a kid. It bothers me now. Yeah, it, um, it is. It looks just like the Lego Batman head. 
It does. <laughs> it's got like a bar. I mean, just gotta look at it. You'll know what we're talking about. <laughs> Uh, um, my favorite, my favorite shot in the episode is uh, towards the beginning uh, at the campaign event where he's announcing or where he's going to announce that he's winning or whatever. He's talking backstage to Bruce, and Bruce is just hanging out drinking a cup of coffee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, there was another shot where Bruce was uh, flirting with this girl. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's good, there's good Bruce Wayne work. I think. I mean, that's. I feel yeah. like we, we've talked about this, and we'll talk about yeah. it again. That one yeah. of the hallmarks of the show is that. They really do well in making Batman and Bruce Wayne very different personalities. Point out, like, hey, Batman, what's your favorite music? What's your favorite song? What do you do on a day off? Do you enjoy walks through the woods? Like, ask him very simple human questions that he would not be able to answer. Right. Like, I don't think Batman listens to music. I, I think if he's walking through the woods, he's wishing that he was at home researching something for his next crime bust. Like, I think you could very easily show, like, it's not normal not to have a favorite song. I mean, Jesus. I really like the himself. theme from Dragnet. <laughs> Yeah. And I think about, you know, in this episode, he's sort of flirting with the girl on the side, playing up the, the, you know, the millionaire playboy thing. But it's like, why? Why does he need to really be Bruce Wayne at all? Why can't he just be Batman 100% of the time? And Bruce Wayne is a guy who never leaves his house, basically, you know? Right. Well, in the uh, the 89 Batman, he's sort of more like that, I think. Because he's, he's not yeah. really that much of a... Uh, out there in the paparazzi kind of thing. He's more of a Howard Hughes type. I mean, to the point where yeah. Vicki Vale goes to the to the mansion yeah. and she doesn't even know who he is. Yeah, uh, but she Hughes. is new in town. Maybe you can give cut her some slack. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, totally, man. I mean, I, 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 the things that I think about Batman that I don't think most writers agree with him are, I don't think he needs to be Bruce Wayne, period. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Batman needs to be considered a good guy. I think he could be a villain of Gotham who goes after other villains, who thinks he's a good guy. Mm -hmm. I think readers would generally be fine with that. I don't think it matters that much if you if everyone knows that he's Bruce Wayne, but he's still so wealthy and off the grid that no one can find him. I don't think it affects how we see Batman really that much at all. You know, these things that we really clutch, clutch oh, you can't tell Gotham who Batman is. Oh, you need to have goofy Bruce to balance, you know, Batman Bruce. I don't think that's true. I, I think there's a version of Batman that's just Batman, and that's it, you know? Well, do you think that the um, split of the characters, though, creates some more um, kind of fun? Yeah. Totally. Yeah, what, totally. Because what you're talking about, while cool, sounds very serious. <laughs> It's yeah, it's it's there's less variety when you do it that way. You're right, yeah. and there's always like the ooh, are they gonna find out who he is? And then you wouldn't have these great lines like in Dark Knight where uh, Morgan Freeman's like, you know, let me get this straight. You think that Bruce Wayne is this guy that goes out and kicks a whole bunch of ass every night, and your your plan is to blackmail this person? Right, right. That is a great line, and if you did it my way, you wouldn't have that line. I, you know, I get it. <laughs> my my way, my my the way that I will refute or or counter what you're saying is by using those movies as an example. <laughs> because if there's no Bruce Wayne, then yeah. there's only Batman, right? So that means right. you only have Batman voice. So right. 
if you look at the if you look at the Nolan movies, he used that Batman voice in all three movies. But the only mm-hmm. one that he gets shit for are the second two, where there's not really any Bruce Wayne in them. Is there's Bruce Wayne, but there's not as much Bruce Wayne as there is in the first one. And the first one, you get a lot of the, uh, you know, where he, uh, what's his name? I forget who it is. R- uh, Rutger Hauer comes out and he's teaching his secretary how to putt and flirt with her. Mm-hmm. And then right. he does the thing where they go to dinner, and he's he bought the hotel, and he's pretending to be drunk, and you get you get a mm-hmm. really good sense of the fun Bruce Wayne side. So when right. he does the Batman thing, and he goes into the growly Batman voice, it feels mm-hmm. like it you know it stands out. But when you get to the second movies where he's doing all of his lines in that voice, it sounds ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So, well, so <laughs> you're right. I mean, if he's doing more elaborate lines using that creepy voice box, then. That's when I think it gets to be too much. Yeah. Um, but my question is, was it the same Batman voice in the first and second movie? Do we know for sure? If you it's, decide, did they turn it up at all for the second okay. one? Because it felt like they did. So the difference is, and I did go back and watch this at some point to figure this out because I was curious. <laughs> of, course. Um, of course he did. <laughs> he speaks in much more of a whisper most of the time. Right. right. But he does use the growly Batman voice when he's... Uh, doing more intense stuff like that scene where he picks the guy up upside down and he's asking him yes. where you know, yeah. that's when he uses the batman voice and it's great that's fine yeah yeah but for some reason in the next movies he delivers all of his lines through yeah. that like partially like, how are you doing today partially like he's got kind of like a stuffed nose but he's also yeah. growly and it's just it that, sounds like he needs a mint that's why i think people have a problem with it i just don't think it was executed the same way, yeah. You know, you can't just you know play your ace, your, your play your wild card every single hand. You have to save it for special occasions. You right. can't just have Batman growling at the bottom, top of his lungs all the time. Yeah, and I, I love the way that they handled it in the first one, where he just kind of talked in a whisper a lot. I thought that was yeah. great because you know, right. he, Batman's not going to be say talking loud enough for multiple people to hear what he's saying. You'd think, right? Yeah, no, I'm going. I think Michael Keaton did it the best. Still, I think that. Um, I don't know if there was much of a difference other than him whispering a bit more and acting a bit more gravelly. But yeah. I, yeah, they certainly didn't use a voice changing mechanism or whatever. No, I, they, I, that scene where he's um, explaining the Joker's plan to Vicki Vale in the Batcave and like he's the only light is yeah. hitting just his eyes and he's talking very quietly and explaining it's, right. it's not two, two chemicals, it's any, you know, that kind of thing. That, that right. stuff is great. I think that's awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah and, good job. That's well, that leads close to... that'll lead me into the next part of this, which is talking about <laughs> the things that we'd like to draw or change in this episode. Because uh, mine, I have two. It's kind of a tie. Go ahead. It's uh, <laughs> the first one is I would love to do the scene in the hospital after the explosion where he's revealing his face, which is mm-hmm. a direct lift from Batman '89, even to the point where he's asking for a mirror and then he freaks out and all that kind of stuff. Mirror. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I really like the idea of playing with the reveal of the face. Um, mm-hmm. I think you could do some really kind of fun stuff with that. And uh, the other one tied for me is the bat cycle in the rain sequence because there's, uh, you know, it's I pouring. You hated drawing motorcycles. Uh, I like drawing rain though, so it, it evens out. <laughs> okay. Um, and the more rain there is, the more uh, the more gestural. The less yeah, there is. the more yep. gestural I can get with it. But the cool yeah. thing in that scene is every time lightning strikes, the whole thing goes black and white. And mm. that would be, I, I, it would be kind of hard to do in a comic because, you know, the movement yeah. of time is difficult. But it would be, I would love to see a whole episode done like that. Uh, that would be right. very cool. Um, yeah. 
but yeah, I, I love that effect. You know, the rain on the on the, the helmet and splashing off the cycle and is really cool and 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 right. that would be fun. Yeah, nice man. Those are good answers. I th- I think uh, if I had to draw something in this, I would do a motorcycle scene, but I would do it because I I want to tweak that design. Yeah. Uh, I like what they were going for. I think a deco motorcycle was a cool idea. There are elements I'd keep, but overall, I don't think it looks great. Um, and, you know, it's, it's one of those things where even the Batman animated series Batmobile, it looks good from certain angles, but it looks really bad from, like, for example, the, the ears on the Batmobile just go straight back. Right. So if you're staring at the car, there's a straight on shot. There's nothing Batmobile about it right. at all. The ears don't go up at all. Whereas the Burton Batmobile, the ears are up, sort of flared at an angle, so you, it reads as Batmobile as silhouette in mo- from most points of view. Um, I like the TAS Batmobile, but it, you do need to shoot it from certain um, angles for it to really work. I think, um, and I think the same thing goes for the motorcycle. I think the idea of having this like flared these wings that kind of come up the back you know, towards the bottom. I don't know. And also, like you know, you put motorcycles lean. Batman seems to be up on the rear rear wheel a lot, so it doesn't make sense that there would be like flared bat wings close to the ground. You know, stuff like that bothers me. You know, I, <laughs> I just saw that there those those you know those great animated series toys that they have out now. Well, uh, they're yeah. making them. They're making toys out of everything, which is fantastic. I just saw that right. the Grey Ghost is coming There's out. There's finally a Grey Ghost. I know. Finally, fucking Rosie the Rocket. They did her and her fucking <laughs> Rocket, but not the Grey Ghost. And uh, they're also coming out with the original version of Two Face, which uh, which which I like. I, you know, it's funny. Um, I think it goes to show how good of a design he is. In that, when they did their redesigns, they didn't change him. They just kind of streamlined right. him a little bit, but they kept the same face, the same suit, and yeah. everything. But I always yeah. liked the original one, the, the one that was a little bit like you know, uh, gnarlier, a little bit better. Uh, but yeah. they are coming out with the Bat Cycle. Um, and I didn't even notice right that it has those wings at the bottom, which yeah. seems super impractical for a motorcycle. Yeah. Cause that's how so you turn, stupid. right? It's just by like yeah. kind of tipping back and forth. Yeah. Whoever designed them has obviously not been on a motorcycle. So <laughs> I have, I have the original toy still in the original packaging of Batman on the bat cycle from this cartoon. And yeah. he doesn't even, he's attached to it permanently and you roll it back and it goes forward on its own. Like one of those things. Mm-hmm. So I've had time to like study this thing. Since we, <laughs> and I, it, even as a kid, I'm like, this just does not make sense. Back when you weren't getting invited to parties in high school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I but I mean, the front of it has these three lines on it, which I think are good. Yeah. I get, they're going for a, um, Indian motorcycle type of vibe, yep. which had these like, um, uh, spade shaped, Fenders covering most of the wheels. Yeah, like, I get what they were what they were thinking, but the person that designed it did not obviously ride motorcycles, and it does bug me. <laughs> well, next week we'll have on the person who designed that to <laughs> make Sean feel like an asshole. Yeah. Um, you, you know, speaking of the Batmobile, uh, there is a shot in this episode where uh, I think if I think Batman pulls in the Batmobile next to Harvey Dent's car at the end, like when he's going to, you know, going after uh, Harvey Dent before he gets blown up. Oh, and yeah. it made me, it made me think about how actually like totally impractical the Batmobile is, mm-hmm. because yeah, why would Batman want who's all about you know uh, deception and and ninja and quiet and shadows be riding around town in the loudest, biggest car he could possibly find? Totally. Yeah, honestly, I think it's because he's a gearhead and he enjoys it. I mean, he's going to be out there. He might as well have fun. Like, honestly, if, if, he wanted, if it wanted to be more uh, appropriate to the character, the Batmobile would be like an old Ford Taurus. 
Yeah. Oh, God. Don't start talking about RoboCop, please. Hey, I'm just saying. It was good enough for RoboCop. It's good enough for Batman, okay? You know, it's funny. I was driving down uh, 95 the other day in my Mazda 3, gray, so it doesn't stand out at all. And I'm doing 85. I'm going way too fast. And there's a uh, an SRT uh, Dodge behind me, which is, I don't know, 500 horsepower or whatever. Mm-hmm. White with, like, black racing stripes. And the guy is, he wants to go faster than me but he doesn't want to be in the fast lane by himself because he's obvious cop bait right right and i remember thinking you know what you get a car like that you think i'm gonna cruise down to boston and get there as fast as i can but i think me and my nondescript mazda or like you and your imaginary ford taurus (laughs) imaginary have a much better chance of getting around inconspicuously and going just as fast as you want than an srt honestly you know probably and what what was your license plate just in case there's any state troopers yeah (laughs) Yeah, in case there are any snipers on 95 (laughs) who are looking for me (laughs) uh Um, what would you what would you rate this uh, i go four out of five yeah, I would I d- agree. I don't know what it's missing, but it's it's great. But it's just not one of my go-tos usually. Yeah, I think the first half is is almost as good as any of the other like big yeah. villain episodes. Like Heart of Ice right. is obviously in in its own yeah. thing, and that's another one too. Well, I guess I was gonna say like they do so much in Heart of Ice in just one episode, but the, you're not getting like the origin of Mister Freeze, so you know, maybe it's unfair to compare them. Um, yeah, well, I mean, my five-star episodes usually have the, everything is so tight and yes. perfectly organized that you really can't change anything. Right. And in this one, I think there's a lot of you, there's other ways I might have done this. There's other ways I might have plotted it. Like Batman, you know, towards the end of the second uh, episode, he's like, "Well, he, oh, he's telling Alfred, I think, about like, oh, I, all these businesses start with the number two. and mm-hmm. Alfred's like, "Oh, well, you know." Uh, what else? What other banks are there that have a two in it? And Batman's like, well, that was the last one. So actually, I just figured out that he's going after Rupert Thorne. Like, right? Okay. Okay. Why didn't you get? Why did you go on about the fucking two nonsense? You know? <laughs> yeah. And the way, like, his plan, his actual plan on how to get Thorne is really kind of like, meh. Yeah. Like he gets those files, and he's like, if I had these files years ago, I could have convicted him. It's like, all right. So are you gonna blackmail him now? Yeah. Like, there's no. Yeah. Two. It- based way to blackmail somebody is there yeah yeah it's it's good episode it's not clean and tight like um heart of ices or for me pov yeah or did yeah whatever did this two-face like, two-face isn't really in white knight but did he was he, he is, in your so mind at all he was actually um so two things one uh, when i was redesigning all the characters i really tried to stay with the tas vibe um and when i redid two-face i basically i started with this with the you know half black suit half white suit face you know rather than blue i went with red just to make him more devilish or whatever yep. just 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 to switch it up um and then i think his gangster side is pinstriped and his good guy side is black or white i, I don't remember mm-hmm. um but yeah i have him in a few shots you know holding a tommy gun shooting i mean all the villains are pretty handicapped in white knight because they're all basically zombies so i didn't have to write any dialogue or really explore them they're just kind of there um but i will say that i think more than I realized, the Harvey having a split personality and the Jekyll Hyde definitely influenced my Joker. Mm. Um, in fact, if I think if I had gone more into Two Face, and an original, an earlier version of White Knight actually had Two Face as more active before he got uh, zombified oh, yeah. by by Joker. But that would have been distracting because you had the Jekyll Hyde thing going on with Jack Napier and Joker. You don't need it in Two-Face as well, unless you're trying to make a different kind of comment about that, whatever that might be. Right. So 
Yeah, the idea of like uh, Jack Napier is totally different than Joker. The two sides don't talk to each other. One can surface at any moment. It's totally uh, lifted from from Two Face more than I realized. As I was watching this, I was like, oh man, this cartoon influenced me like way more than I realized. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's, that's even really there's cool. even there's even a point where um, Harvey's like, oh yeah, that's fine. There's just one problem. You're not talking to Harvey yeah. or something like that. And I had a similar line where you know. Jack Napier's in the Batmobile, and Joker, Batman's like, all right, you got to do this, this, and that, and that's how we're going to win. And, and Napier's like, okay, great. There's only one problem. I'm not Jack. Right. Same, same line, basically. Right, right. yeah. So yeah, it is what such, it is. That's such a good, I mean, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to do a split personality thing and not do that, though, because that's such a, such a slam dunk. Yeah, totally. It, it's what the crowd wants, yeah. too. I, I think that it's not... Um, it's I mean, not, it's the um, Hulk thing, right? It's the you wouldn't like me when I'm angry beat. Yeah. You know? I think some... It's like going to, reading a comic or going to a movie with the stuff is sort of like going to a concert where you want to hear the hits. So you right. kind of want the shot of Batman on a gargoyle as much as we goddamn see that. We, you still... You, you do want to do the hits. You want to have... Uh, if you're going to do a Two-Face story, you got to have someone talking to Two-Face, but actually it's Harvey or whatever. You kind of want to give the crowd what they're expecting. It's not derivative. I think it's important just to remind them that they're getting their money's worth because this is why you bought the comic. You wanted to see a couple of Two-Faced jokes. Ha-ha, well, here you go, kids. But you also want to go out of your way to try to do original stuff and you know play with it in ways that other writers haven't, of course. you know. Right, right. But I don't mind like playing the hits, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that stuff That stuff is, is you know, it's... it's, it's... Like you said, it's it's why it's why people like the characters, and and not not to not to say that you need to only play the hits, you know. But right, yeah. Uh, little bits of that stuff always always makes it that much stronger, I think. Yeah, and you need to remind people like this. Is, so when I started White Knight, it's the, they start out with the hits, Joker and Batman. Joker's right. like, all right, let's let's go through the routine. Yeah, that's you know, literally that's literally a line of dialogue. In the going book. through the hits, yeah. <laughs> and it's just to like set the reader in mind. Okay, this Gotham is. The average Gotham, Batman, and Joker have been going at it for years, and this is the relationship is as I thought. Okay, now time to throw a wrench in everything. Right. But I think it's important to play the hits right. uh, from time to time. Um, yeah, I, so I would give it a. I would, you know, I, I think. I would give Did we never f- get your rating? I'm I sorry. Don't, I don't think so. No, it's fine. <laughs> I was, sorry. Yeah, I would probably end up four. I think the first half is, is super strong. Second mm-hmm. half is a little bit weak. Um, I, overall, I'd give it a four. I'd say I'd give the first half a three, and the second yeah. half like a like a maybe a two, maybe two yeah. or two or three. I don't know. Like I said, yeah. I like the the second half more this time than I have in the past. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Great, I think that's gonna do it for Two Face. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at Batass Podcast. And if you want to send us an email, you can do that also at Badass, sorry, badasspodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> if you want to give us a rate or a review, that would be awesome. On iTunes, yeah. you can do it through your phone. It's super easy. If you have the iTunes app, podcast app, you can do it right in your phone. So it's simple. Um, but yeah, thank Great. you, Sean. Thank you, man. Always a pleasure. Yeah, and thanks everyone for listening, and we will see you next time. <laughs> Let the good die,